This is a podcast from Minute Media. The legacy of Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer suspended, Robinson Cano DFA'd, Robert Murray was at the NFL draft in Las Vegas and he's got a tan. Go Birds. (laughs) Go Birds. The Baseball Insider starts right now. Back from Las Vegas, Robert Murray. How was the NFL draft, buddy? Dude, it was freaking electric. It was, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I, I did not have a voice for a good two or three days um, because I was just that jacked about the Eagles draft. Jordan Davis, uh, A.J. Brown, Jason Kelsey's replacement. I was like, yeah, on that pick. But Nicobe Dean in the third round car. How'd you Holy even, smokes. Yeah, but how would you even know who they picked? You're so tan. Weren't you just hanging out at the pool all day long? I mean, that was a, a big chunk of my uh, my early mornings and afternoons. And then, yeah, I'll tell you, the uh, the drink of, of summer is officially high noons. Those things are very dangerous, Carm. So, what, what, what's a high noon? I'm out it's of like a loop. seltzer, but like just a lot better than a white claw. Oh, the upper level white claw high noon situation. Yeah, it's uh, exactly. And boy, I'll tell you, I was drinking it like they were water. Um, very good. So. Um, yeah, that's, I, I highly recommend the peach and the pineapple, by the way, the peach and the pineapple. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we're, are we sober today? Oh, we're very sober today. I have not had a drink since I got back. Yeah. All so right. I, I figured I should clarify that one for the record, but, but All big right. high noon guy over here. All right. So let's get into it here. Your the, the Robert Murray topics are vast and wide today. We're starting with Clayton Kershaw who continues to just set records and beat father time at this point. And you want to ask the question is Clayton Kershaw, the greatest pitcher in Dodger history. Make your case, my friend. Do I think he's the best Dodgers pitcher ever? It's between him and Sandy Koufax, obviously. And the, like, since I've watched Kershaw from the beginning, um, I, I probably have recency bias. I'll admit that right out in front and center here. But what Kershaw has been able to do throughout his career, the records that he's been able to set with this Dodgers team, um, it has to put him in that consideration to be the best pitcher ever in, in team history. Um, and him being able to, to top Koufax's strikeout record the other day um, just further cemented that for me. And he's pitched in big games. Obviously, he had – the inability to win the big game or a win world series hanging over his head for so long. And he's finally got that monkey off of his back and he's not done either. And he's going to continue to set records. Um, and to his credit, ever like there was a lot of people who wrote him off myself included. Um, I thought he was a shell of himself, not even just this year, but even parts of last year too. Um, and he's continually proved me wrong. Um, and I tip my cap to Clayton Kershaw, um, and I think it's time that we consider him to be the best Dodgers pitcher ever, even ahead of Sandy Koufax. I mean, if we're going by awards, he is. Three Cy Youngs, MVP back in 2014, yep. uh, ERA titles. He's done that four times. Pretty damn impressive right there. Uh, he had a 300 strikeout season back in 2015. Um, he was the first pitcher that did that, by the way, in 13 years at that point. And he's won a lot of baseball games. 
I still can't put him ahead of Sandy Koufax, even though I never even saw Sandy Koufax. I was, you know, neither did you. Wait, and, but here's the thing: is like you're putting him ahead of a picture that you've never even seen before because he's Sandy Koufax. Like, I'm do you fair. think? Do you think that in Sandy Koufax last year was 1966? So that's 56 years ago. Mm-hmm. In 56 years, do you think they're going to be talking about Clayton Kershaw? In L.A., yes. No, I'm in yes. Chicago. I, I'm Sandy Koufax is an iconic name. He's mm-hmm. Sandy Dam Koufax. Like Clayton Kershaw, when I think of Clayton Kershaw, this is wrong. I'm going to admit this is wrong. But the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Clayton Kershaw, failure in playoffs. That is, that's the narrative. I, I think of 2016 and the Cubs pounding away at him at good old Wrigley Field. I, that's, uh, that's unfair. And I think statistically there is no argument. He, he, he is the most accomplished and, uh, you know, huge long tenure. Uh, and now people are writing in the chat here, Carm, you're in the wrong dire- generation. 35 and under don't care about Kofax. Robert Murray, how old are you? I'm 26. Do you care about Kofax? I do. So, you do. I, I so think that was Hunter. I think that was Hunter who put that in a group chat. Uh, so um, I apologize, Hunter. Don't don't hate me for that. Take that fan sided video. Uh, <laughs> but Sandy Kovacs was nails, man. Big game, big game, Sandy. I don't know if he was ever named that, but I mean, Wait, did he have a nickname? Yeah, I'm actually curious about that now. Uh. Oh boy, Hunter is on one in the in the chat now, right now, now. Now we're going overrated careers and no longevity. Now we're now we're now we're now we're torching Sandy Kovacs. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I just want to make it clear: neither Carm or myself are torching Sandy Kovacs. We are not the ones responsible no, for that. I'm I'm all I'm all Sandy all the time. But uh, hey, other names by the way that should be in there: uh, Don Drysdale uh from you know we're going back in the day here what about a don sutton bert what about an oral hersheiser huh oral hersheiser great dude by the way he was very a, nice to me when i was coming up in baseball he was, was first coming up yep i remember running into him at dodger camp at spring training um and he, he could not have been nicer to me so i'll always have that memory with him so. and you know the the scoreless streak right there but and and for me for the record i mean i was a fernando guy 11, 12 years old, Fernando was looking towards the sky and just dominating. I, I understand that he didn't have the career that uh, the rest of the names that we're throwing out there, but I love Fernando Valenswood. Now, now you probably are not into Fernando. What's the way? Hang on. I couldn't hear the question you just asked. At the You're end. not into Fernando Valenswood. You barely even know who Fernando is. Yeah, I was, I was hoping you were talking about Fernando Tatis Sr. Yeah, right. But no, right. I, I knew you weren't, obviously, but. Yeah, yeah, Fernando. Well, talk about a family, by the way, with the Tatises. Yeah, two yeah. grand slams in, in one inning, and then you got uh, Tatis Jr., who's hopefully he gets healthy soon. I we actually I'm surprised we haven't heard any updates on his rehab. Um, but gotta hope the Padres are trying to get him back soon. You want a piece of baseball history, Bert, that our diehard older old school baseball insiders will enjoy about Fernando Valenzuela? Let's do it. I'm in. Vans, Valenzuela in his first eight starts, his first eight starts nowadays, never let him do that. Let's protect the arm, which I get it. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. He went the distance in each of his first eight starts, winning them all and allowed four earned runs in the process. ERA after eight starts of throwing nine innings each point five. Wow. 
Has anyone had a better stretch to start their baseball career than Fernando, damn it? I don't think so. That's a hell of a poll there, Carm. That was a good one. Also, I got to ask you. So, well, Tim Lincecum did have a good start to his career, by the way. He didn't, Fernando. But do we ever have a pitcher, again, go eight consecutive outings throwing a complete game? Is that ever no. happening? No. And – I, you know, we, we have Kevin Malara on the podcast. It's a great conversation with Kevin coming up. Sorry you missed it, Bert. Uh, but uh, I, I love talking to Kevin almost as much as I'm loving talking to you right now. Kevin's got some great stuff. And I brought up David Ross pulled one of the Cubs pitchers. And he said, you know, in the, in the fifth inning, the, the dude had thrown four and a third. He's two outs away from qualifying for a win. Cubs go on to win the game. He doesn't get the victory. And then afterwards, you know, he, he knows that this is, you know, good for his long-term future, and we don't want to push guys too hard. Push guys too hard in the, in the fourth damn inning. You know, that, that, that's the fifth inning, whatever. That, that, is, that is different. That is very different. That, you know, yeah. I, I hate it. I, I do. I, I, I was so happy to uh, be at the White Sox game on Sunday and see Otani and Trout two and three. That's amazing. But Michael Lorenzen started the game, and he's got 90 pitches going in the ninth. Joe Madden leaves him out there. They didn't get through the ninth, uh, and the White Sox ended up scoring five in that ninth to make a 6 the game a 6-5 game, and had the bases loaded with two outs before Gavin Sheets rolled out. It was a great ending, but it was, it was super exciting. But, you know, Matt, hey, go ahead and complete the game. Let's get a little old school here. You, you're at 90 pitches. You can go – you can throw another 10 to 20 and finish it off. It didn't work out, but I, 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 I liked seeing it. Yeah. And you know what? I, on that note too, I think we're seeing that a little bit more, or maybe I'm just, just remembering things different, but um, we saw the Cardinals do that with miles Michaelis uh, the other day. Um, they, he was out, I think it was like 91 pitchers or something like that going into the eighth inning and they kept him in and it was a scoreless ball game. And then he ended up giving up a home run and the Cardinals took a two nothing loss in that game. And, and their manager, Ali Marmol, like he's been so good. Um, Michael, as I'm talking that they believe that he could end up going into the eighth inning and, and pitching another inning, even with a high pitch count, um, it backfired on him. And it was something that Marmol admitted was a mistake, but um, we're starting to see maybe more and more of these managers um, willing to, extend their guys, which I'm kind of surprised with because we had a shortened spring training. We're still pretty early into the season. Um, but still, I, I like it may have cost both of those teams. Um, I mean, it cost the Cardinals. It didn't cost the, uh, uh, the angels in that case, but yeah, I, I like to see it. Nice change of pace. So let's move over to the Mets and Robinson Cano designated for assignment. Uh, he's owed $44.7 million. That's what's left on his $240 million 10-year contract that was signed with the Mariners back in 2013. 43 plate appearances, Burt. 195 the batting average, one homer, three RBIs, OPS of 501. That ain't great. No. But it still feels bold. I mean, early season, man, short spring training. Were you surprised by this? What's your take? So I'm not surprised that the Mets ended up doing this because Cano, as you mentioned with those numbers, was not good. Um, he was somebody that they needed to move on from. 
And there's not many teams that would have had the cojones um, to pull the trigger on a move, especially with so much money left on his contract. But Steve Cohen, he is willing to eat money more than any owner that I think baseball has ever seen. Um, and the Mets had to make a decision. Do you keep Cano and that level of production or lack thereof? Or do you option a guy like Dominic Smith, Luis Guillerme, or J.D. Davis? Um, and the, the right baseball decision was to designate Cano for assignment. And that's what they ended up doing. Um, and they ended up offering Cano the right to be optioned to AAA uh, to just get some minor league at-bats. But that was something that he refused as far as what his future looks like, I don't think it's overly promising. I saw John Heyman say that there's going to be some major league teams who, um, who express interest. I don't know who any of those teams would be, but he's 39 at this point. Clearly is not performed well this year. Has been suspended twice for PEDs. Um, and yes, he was beloved in that Mets clubhouse. And there was some veterans who, who praised him for the work that he did inside that room. But I just don't know what team is going to do that. And if I was running a team, that would not be something I would do. I'd go for a, a, a better option at second base or a designated hitter at this point. The legacy of Robinson Cano is? Tainted. Yeah. I mean, the two PEDs, those suspensions at ruined his legacy and he will never get that back. But he's walking out with quite a bit of a bunch of money. So you're saying it doesn't look, his future doesn't look good. Eh, I think it looks pretty good. I get $44 million. I'm headed to the beach and uh, thank you. Major league baseball. I had a great time playing it and yeah. Okay. People won't look at me as they once looked at me when I was a young player, mashing balls and getting all the love in Seattle, but uh, I'm riding off into the sunset, which Probably doesn't feel great on some level, but uh, at the end of the day, there there are there are worse things in life than to have what uh, that dude has in front of him the, for the rest of the time uh, that he's on this earth. Thank you. I'm getting way too deep here on the Baseball Insiders. Hey, Bert, left turn. Trevor Bauer suspended for 324 games, um, and starting you know now. So in essence, a three-year suspension. What what do you got for me? behind the scenes or just your own thoughts on what ended up happening with the Bauer saga? Yeah. Um, there had been rumors that we were going to have something coming for about a week um, in terms of a suspension for Bauer. I just didn't expect it to be 324 games. That number, I think caught a lot of people off guard. Um, but at this point he deserved it. Um, and even after I, I want to say it was immediately after that suspension came down. There was another story in the Washington post that came out about Bauer um, and Bauer profusely denied it. Um, and he issued a statement through his agent, Rachel Luba. Um, so I, I won't comment on that, but um, I would be shocked if he pitched another, if he threw another game in major league baseball, I think his, I think his career is over. Really? From a, no team will give him a chance standpoint or from see, I think he's, he's going to appeal mm -hmm. and he wasn't criminally charged. I mean, baseball, I guess has to feel like they've got more information on him that hasn't even come out. Do you have any knowledge of that? I don't. And I, I won't speculate on that one. Um, but 
after his suspension is up, let's say that he, that appeal does not, or he does not win that appeal. And he's suspended for 324 games. He's going to be in his mid thirties has not thrown a pitch in the majors in three years. Um, and I just don't see a team looking to bring him on and put him in that clubhouse. Just is his talent there? Yes. Um, absolutely. But you got to risk the talent versus the potential downside. Um, and I just don't see any team doing that. All right. We can move on. That was just a depressing story on so many damn levels. And um, it's amazing how the world spins at times, but okay, we'll move, move on from Trevor Bauer. Uh, so Joey Votto's out there tweeting about a potential retirement, but you've got something that uh, perhaps is actually going on here. Don't you Bert? So I, I can't claim to have any insider info. Let's just call this one a gut having followed Joey Votto's career for quite some time, but he ended up tweeting that he had like five months to go. Um, and then along with that tweet was a link to, is this the end of Joey Votto's career? And it was basically a long article from Fangraphs detailing Joey Votto's struggles this year and asking um, some, something along, or actually I'll pull it up just so I, I'm not misquoting it. Um, we don't like misquotes here on the Baseball Insiders. No, we don't. We always want to make sure we're accurate. And it's it was bad business. Yes, exactly. Is this the end for Joey Votto? Was the specific headline? Um, and I'm going to guess, having been around Votto and knowing people around him, that he's going to use this as fuel, um, and that it was like a a mock or a mocking of the article. Um, and you know what? If that's what he needs to bounce back from his slow start, do it. I, baseball with Joey Votto at his best is is much better. Um, I Joey Votto is great for the game, uh, and, and the fact that he opened up a Twitter account recently too, so people can get an even further inside look into what he is, who he is, um, is really exciting to me. And I don't see any scenario in which. Votto retires at the end of the year. Um, as again, that's just me speculating, not any inside info. Um, but I also do wonder if the Reds continue to struggle. Votto has never won a World Series ring. Is he a candidate to play elsewhere later this year or later next year? I think that is something that we are going to end up talking about more and more as a trade deadline comes through. And if he's not moved then, next offseason, because right now the Reds are after a colossal sell-off, really bad. And that's putting it lightly. So he's led the league in walks five times. He's led the league in OBP seven times. Uh, led the league in OP, OPS twice. He's got 2,036 hits for his career. He's got... 331 homers mm -hmm. doesn't feel like he's a hall of famer does it i think he's a hall of famer i do you do i do i absolutely think he's a hall of famer and i i, I hope he is um I, I know as journalists like we can't root for players um sure you can like i mean like you can't actively like 
root for them, I should say, but uh, he's somebody I root for uh, just because he's a really good human being and, and also really good for the game. I think, yeah. But I hope he gets in. I mean, he's been an all-star four times. He's finished as high in, in the MVP balloting. At, well, he won it. He was the MVP in his fourth season back in 2010. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he's fin- and he finished tw- second and third as well. I mean, I, I'm surprised actually what looking at his numbers, he's only got 2,000 hits. I would have thought it would have been more closer to 2,500. Yeah, actually, same here. I, I thought his, I thought he had more hits than that. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to get in. It's not going to be unanimous by any means. Um, also, what is, what is Hunter saying in the, in the chat here? He says he needs an end-of-career destination to make a World Series run with. San Francisco Giants. <laughs> Are you catering to Hunter with that? No, well, I'm telling you, yeah, yeah, there you go. Hunter's agreeing with it. There we go. I'm, after my early uh, knock of Sandy Koufax or his take on Sandy Koufax, I'm back in his good graces. Um, but, yeah, let's – I mean, Brandon Belt's got versatility. can play DH, go in the outfield too. Have Votto there at first base DH. I mean, that sounds like Farhan to me. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh all right, let me let me move on to what's going on around baseball for a second here. So I was I was at the White Sox and Angels game on Sunday. Brought it up a little bit with Millar, the that Major League Baseball should absolutely be nonstop promoting that in the Angels lineup. You have Mickey Mantle hitting second in Mike Trout, and you have Babe Ruth hitting third in Shohei Otani. They should not that that should be literally everywhere multicultural. The whole thing. It's a tremendous selling point. I don't see it enough. But outside of that, the White Sox have had a really rough start to the season. The Twins are off to a great start. Um, the Angels are off to a great start. Mm-hmm. What's what's Bert's inside take on what's happening here in the early season? And are you are you buying into the Angels? Are you buying into the Twins? How are you feeling about some of the surprises we're seeing? I'm not surprised with the Angels um, because they focused on – increasing their pitching depth and their talent in the pitching staff. Noah Syndergaard has been very good. Michael Lorenzen, he wanted a chance to start this offseason, and there was multiple teams who were willing to give him that opportunity. I can tell you there's one team that loved him. It was the San Francisco Giants. Um, and I thought that might happen. But in the end, he ended up signing a deal with the Angels. And then they also added Aaron Loop, who was regarded as the best left-handed reliever in free agency, added Ryan Tapera, who I shouted out a couple months ago as an under-the-radar candidate in free agency who's going to really help a bullpen. And lo and behold, he's done just that. Um, and another thing, too, is is they've stayed healthy. Um, I know Shohei Otani just got banged up, but I don't think that's serious. And also, other, in a little bit, I want to mention an article that was written about Otani today. Um, I want to put that on blast. Um, and you, Mike Trout's healthy too. Um, they have the makings of a really solid team. Um, it all depends on how that pitching staff holds up because they're going to go as far as that bullpen takes them because that that unit has derailed them in past seasons. There's been other factors too, obviously, but a bad bullpen has impacted them. But that's right now is why I'm buying into the Angels. Well, Iglesias was brutal on Sunday. Uh you know, he made it as interesting as you can possibly make it coming in yeah. 
giving up three runs, loading the bases. Forget how many of those were his runs, but regardless, it was a 6-2 game, made it a 6-5 game, and they had to call on Ryan Tapera to come save the day, who had played for the White Sox, by the way, last season, so did it against his former team. That was interesting. Um, all right, let us let us move along here to a couple of other bird topics that we need to take down on this Baseball Insider podcast. Uh, Eric Lauer dominating with the Brewers. Look at that smile popping on your face right there as we as we mentioned Burt's hometown team. Go ahead, buddy. No, I, I didn't even grow up a Brewer fan, so I, I, I should should mention that. But um so last year, boy, I think it was even before um we started doing this podcast. So I was talking to an executive and he asked me like my opinion on like some under the radar guys who I think could be pretty good. Um, and I mentioned Eric Lauer. And we got to talking a little bit more about him. And I just said, he just needs to get an opportunity. Um, he needs to improve in certain areas, but I think if he gets an opportunity, he's going to end up being a, a pretty solid starter. Um, and he's, he's definitely exceeded my expectations this year. Um, and Will Salmon of The Athletic ended up writing a really good story about how him emulating Tim Lincecum, um and another pitcher like, in an offseason workout ended up like enhancing his career, added some velocity. And also another thing I find really interesting too with Lauer that I don't think I've ever heard of another pitcher doing is he names his pitches. Um, I think that's really fascinating to me. I, maybe I'm just an easy guy to be fascinated by, but like, or well, yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, I got weird interests, but anyways. Um, <laughs> what are some um, of your weird interests, Bert? Uh, yeah, I'm going to decline further comment on that. <laughs> okay okay yeah, yeah I'll, I'll i'll let my spokesperson do that. not that spokesperson, not but. even one of them uh that's oh, in the boy. P, it's in the pg category that's weird interest yeah you don't don't force it it's okay yeah i don't know i actually i, I can't think of one off off topic here but or off the okay. top of my head but lower like everybody talks about burns Peralta and Woodruff in that rotation, but Lauer has established himself as like a very strong number four. And then you pair that with Adrian Hauser. I mean, the argument can be made, Carm, the rotation this year is better than it was last year. I I know we're only 20 something games into the season. I I get that. But for now, the argument can be made. He's got the zoom ball, the riser and the bullet. What's your favorite? I, I, I like the zoom. I don't know why. It just adds, it builds character. I think it sounds cool. The zoom ball is, in essence, the four-seam fastball. The riser, which he throws with a lot of spins, you would call that more of a cutter. And the spin ball, that's your curveball. Um, and he's working on a new name for the record on the changeup. You want to you well, see three for three on those. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. I can't deny that. How about the changeup could be the difference maker? Well, I can forward you his number and, and you can pitch it to him. I don't have his number, but if I did, that'd be. You definitely have his number the way you just said that, but now you're walking it back because you don't want to boast that you and Lauer are tight. And that's why he made this podcast because you're best friends with Lauer. You're on to me. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think you were going to capitulate there, Bert. You're, you're, a, you're a just, you're an absolutely straight up lovely human being. Um, I try to be like you. Okay. So tell me about, and you're going to have to help me with this one. 
because uh, I'm not following. Denilson Lamet, is that right? Yeah, yeah Lamet. Yeah, Denilson Lamet. Yeah, you've got you've got it on here that he's an early he's an intriguing early season trade candidate. Indeed, he is. What does what does Lamet bring to the table? Very talented guy. Um, starting pitching background, um, but he comes with some injury concerns. He's dealt with some elbow issues, I believe, um, in, in recent seasons. And at one point, I believe he underwent Tommy John. Um, but I would imagine, like, De- Dennis Lynn of the Athletic ended up reporting there was a few teams that were already interested in Lamette. Um, and with the Padres having a, a strong surplus of starting pitchers and Mike Clevenger about to return from the IL, I, he becomes expendable. Um, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's dealt um, I don't know of anything imminent by any means, but he's somebody I could see a lot of these teams showing interest in because he's not that expensive. He's got talent. He's got a previous track record of being a very good pitcher when he's healthy. Um, I just don't, I don't know what the, uh, the price it'll take to acquire him. Uh, that's something that I have not been able to lock down quite yet, but I would imagine the Padres are not going to give him up for just nothing. They're going to actually want something like meaningful in return. His numbers aren't good, Bert. Look, a couple of years ago, that's what, what teams are going to be looking at, or the Potters are going to be trying to sell. They're going to try to sell 12, 2020 when he went, when he started 12 games and had an ERA of 2.09. But then, I mean, that was 2020. So yep. shortened season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and at, at that point, the Potters are looking at him as somebody they could put atop the rotation. Right. And then he was dealing with more injuries. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it would be a gamble by any team and the Potters would not be selling high by any means. Um, but there's going to be some team, I think that is going to be willing to bet on that talent. Um, Cause every team is going to be looking for pitching in a couple months. Trivia, not trivia guess, best guest first manager fired this year. Anybody popping up in your mind? Let me look at the standings real quick. I don't know why that just came in my head, but it just did. Yeah, uh, this is something I've thought about. Um, Derek Shelton to me is, is safe uh, with Pirates. Um, I think David Bell is going to be safe with the Reds. Oh, Hunter just recommended they put the Reds in the group chat. Um, I don't – he's in an impossible situation right now um, because that team has no talent. What about Davey Martinez? Is he safe? Mm, the pressure is off of him um, just because they don't have they, – they sold a lot of their talent off last year. And I know they signed Nelson Cruz, but they don't have a roster that's capable of competing right now. They're in the midst of a rebuild. So I don't think he's going to be the first manager fired. A.J. Hinch? Wait, AJ Hinch? Mm-hmm. You think he could be like, oh, Carm? I, I, well, I don't know. They're seven and fourteen. I don't, but I'm just, you know, that's yeah. that's a little. They've spent some money. That's a little disappointing for the Tigers right now. No, it is. It, it most definitely is. Um, but it, no, one that pops into my head. I don't think this is going to end up being very likely. Um, but Chris Woodward with the, with the Rangers, they were not expected to win this year, but they signed Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon for $500 million combined. 
um, and added a bunch of other pieces on their roster. And right now you look at them and they're eight and 14. That um, I'm not saying it could be fired now. I'm not going to be saying, or I'm not saying it could be fired in a month, but like the pressure's on him to at least be close to 500. Um, and if he's not, then it would not surprise me if the Rangers look to move on. Are you sweating between the Astros and the White Sox? Who do you think is more likely to stay where they're at? Houston right now is 12 and 11. They're two and a half back of the Angels tied with Seattle. The White Sox are nine and 13, four and a half back of first place, Minnesota. I'll say the, the Astros um, are more likely to stay where they're at. Not because I think they're a 500 team or close to it, um, but I just can't see the White Sox being down for this long. They have so much talent on that team, Carm. I mean, you, you watch them every night uh, being in Chicago. Um, but the one thing that scares me with them is the injury history and like the amount of injuries they're dealing with right now. Like that is a very scary thing. And that could significantly limit their ceiling if it continues throughout the entire year. I'm betting on them being healthy at some point. Um, so if they end up like bouncing back, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I would imagine they're going to bounce back and the Astros are still going to compete. I don't know how long the angels can stay atop the AL West. Uh, that's a pretty impressive start 15 and nine. Um, and especially with the, uh, like, I, I still keep coming back um, with the Angels this offseason. They made a really out-of-the-box hire, um, hiring Ray Montgomery as their bench coach. Came directly out of a prominent spot in the front office. And there was a lot of people who were questioning that when that happened um, and thought that their on-field performance could end up, like, suffering because of it. But it's, it's been a seamless fit there. And you see the angels now 15 and nine top the AOS, like clearly something's working. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, Robert, Kevin Millar is on the, on the show this week. I don't know if we're, the way we're clipping this, but I think we're going to have a little bit of Millar on the back end. Um, maybe we should pause and bring on Kevin. Let's yeah. do that. Let's do that right now. He's always ready to bring it, and we appreciate him joining Fanside and the baseballs in the Baseball Insider Podcast. Uh, without my guy Robert Murray, because he was afraid of Kevin Millar or something. <laughs> Kevin, you're you're working with Twisted Tea. You got a brand new flavor for Red Sox fans who, of course, want to celebrate you always for the 04 World Series, which uh, will forever be my favorite Red Sox World Series. And by the way, I see that Cub helmet in the background here because. You know, we're, we're, we're a Chicago based fan sided. So there's that too, but uh, tell me about twisted tea, the new flavors and say hi to the Red Sox fans out there. I'm going to tell you right now, we got a twisted tea, a hard ice tea. So we know, uh, bottom of the eighth at Fenway Park, we got sweet <laughs> Caroline. Da, da, da. Now we have sweet cherry lime, da, da, da. but we got 5% alcohol. It tastes amazing. Be careful now. You might get rosy red cheeks after about three or four, but it's an unbelievable taste and drink. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a fan. Have you been to a game at Fedway as a fan? Yes. And it's pretty remarkable because, you know, as a player, you know, you're there early, you're coming down through the tunnel, you're in the clubhouse, you go play the game. That's what you do. And then you go to Fenway as a, the first time as a fan it's pretty amazing because you kind of see everything. And as a player, you're out there, you know, your head's down. You might have ground on the dull play. You're kicking rocks over there at first base. 
but you realize that all eyes are on you, you know, and it's, 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 you know, just being a fan of the game. I grew up a Dodger fan and listening to Ben Scully as a kid. And then you go play for the Red Sox and the East coast passion that it brings in that organization. I mean, there's nothing better. And I don't say that biasly. It's just Wrigley field and Fenway park are the two old stadiums left. And, and, and I always love those because you walk out of that dugout and you see, you know, where Ted Williams played and the green monster and all the great rivalries and the games that have gone on there. And I think, you know, I, I was blessed to be a part of that, that great rivalry from 03, 04, and 05. And obviously winning the World Series in 04, breaking the 86-year curse was pretty amazing. So the reason why I brought it up uh, outside, I've been to Fenway once. I live in Chicago, so spent uh, many years at Wrigley. But Fenway, you can walk out and you can get drinks and then you can walk back in. It's quite a nice touch there, but outside of the, the the monster and everything else, but that that little accoutrement, it's you know, and you can go have your twisted tea. That look, I mean, it's a whole, it all, it's all right there. It's the largest bar in all the sports, right? <laughs> Fenway Park. You got thirty six thousand people sitting there, and everybody's got a beer and everybody's got a twisted tea now. So you're gonna go ahead and start singing that sweet cherry lime. There we go. So let, let me you we're on a team that broke an 86 year curse. And so let's just, I just want to answer the curse thing. Cause I never believed in the curses, but I did believe that if you played on a team that hadn't won for a long time, like Boston, there was more pressure on the players and the fan base, the, the, the nervousness of always coming up short somehow would permeate the field. Did you, did you feel that? Was there something that, you know, you, I know you were a, Behind the scenes, you're a super positive guy, you know, trying to uh, overcome whatever, not only what was on the field, but everything. But was that a real thing where there was more pressure there? Yeah, because you heard it. Every article, every interview was about this 86-year-old curse and how the Red Sox going to blow it. You know, you know, fever pitch the movie with Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon. That script was written how we're going to lose the, the, the game. You know, the Red Sox ultimately end up losing. Well, all of a sudden it got weird because we're down 0-3, we're down – game four to the New York Yankees. We come back and win four straight from them and then go into St. Louis and sweep them. Uh, and so they had to change the script. And next thing you know, I look over when we're winning, I got Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon who weren't supposed to be on the field. So that was all real live stuff. They jumped the fence and they're over there making out. And I'm looking over going, this is amazing. So you feel the pressure. You understood what it was all about, but you also my thing to the media was like, we weren't those guys. This is a new group. Billy Miller, non-tender from the Chicago Cubs, the year before wins the batting title in 2003, hitting ninth for the Red Sox. Like if somebody says, who won the batting title in the American League? Not a lot of people can remember, Billy Miller did. And so Theo Epstein, a 28-year-old GM, the youngest in the history of sports, you know, comes in and gets a guy named David Ortiz from the Mets, I mean, from the Twins, that was non-tendered. And then he comes in and turns into Big Poppy, uh, Todd Walker, uh, myself, Jeremy Jambi rested, you know, his soul. Uh, it was just, Theo had a way to bring in some baseball players. And, you know, the media didn't know who we were. And it was kind of like, who are these guys? And next thing you know, a few years later, they're the same guys that were hoisting the World Series trophy and broke this curse. So I always say we weren't the best team. I mean, we weren't the best players. We were the best team. And uh, it was a group of guys that cared for each other and really were a tight niche. And that was the difference, I think, with our squad and most others is that we were deep in dinners and bars and together. And it was something unique because you didn't see that a lot. 
if you had a vote and somebody said to you right now, Theo Epstein, commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred out, what do you think? Oh, that'd be a tough one. I mean, obviously, you know, Rob Manfred, listen, when you're the commissioner, it's a tough job. You're going to have a lot of opinions and all this stuff. And it goes with the territory. Theo Epstein is very smart, very awesome. I, you know, I'm very close to Theo and Rob uh, and Theo, you know, he took a chance on me and I was non-tenor from the Florida Marlins. So there's always a special place in uh, my heart for Theo because of that opportunity. He brought me in and, and got a chance to play for, you know, for the Red Sox, one of the greatest organizations in, you know, in baseball. But uh, I think, you know, them being together is a great team. And I think that Theo can help Rob and Rob can help Theo. And, you know, as time goes and Rob grows older, maybe Theo becomes the next commissioner of baseball if Theo wanted to do that. But I think right now they're doing great and they're, they're a great team. And we got baseball. Finally, the labor deal got done and players could just take a deep breath. We had a shorter spring training. I know the struggles out there offensively, uh, people are throwing a million miles an hour, but uh, I think baseball's in a really good place. The parody, it's going to be a fun year. Do you think they rush guys on the field? Were you worried about that and the way it's playing out right now, Kevin? I, I, I don't. And the reason why I say that, Mark, is because when you're talking about people always ask me, how many bats does it take to get ready for a season, right, as a position player? And, you know, 25 to 35, 40 at-bats, that's a couple weeks. The last couple weeks of spring training, a lot of us were like, when's this season going to start? You know, let's not get hurt. And now, you know, we wanted to go. So this year, you know, you look at a three-week, three-and-a-half-week spring training, I thought the pitchers would be behind. That's not the case. I mean, you got guys like Justin Verlander who came off Tommy John who hasn't skipped a beat, and Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw just became the all-time Dodger strikeout leader passing Don Sutton. You have some guys now that are just the mainstays of just starting pitching, and they're veterans. We've lose, we're losing some of the starting pitching because it's like bullpen by committee, and you're having these specialists come in at high-leverage situations. That's unique. When I played, and that was in 10 of my last year, I got released with the Cubbies, is that you know you had a chance to make the adjustments your third time around. You don't get a chance to see the, the starting pitcher very often three times. And I think that's the difference of this game. And so why you see the shift and the specialists coming in, it's going to equal struggles for offensively. But I don't think anybody was rushed back. I thought the pitchers at some point might have, you know, had to build up their innings. But it seems like they're doing great and everybody's throwing a million miles an hour. And we just saw a guy, we're in Tennessee, throwing 105.5 mile an hour pitch. The power is unbelievable. Yeah, what do you think about where we're going here? And I want to ask you a Clayton Kershaw question. But since you ended up with that, like, I get it. Velocity, velocity, velocity. Let's lift weights. Let's, let's, you know, I, I'm hearing uh, David Ross, who was, you know, well, we're, we're not, we don't want to upset uh, our pitchers are handling it because we don't want them to go too deep in games. You know, if they, we had to take them out at four and a third because we're worried about their health. And I'm like, four and a third, you're worried about their health. Like, I mean, where are we going here? It's so I, I don't know what what you think the future of baseball looks like, and and you're shaking your head. No, it ain't. It's it's a little bit disturbing, right? Yeah, it is. It, 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 we have so much information now given to all of sports. I mean, golf, the spin rates, and this and that, launch angle. You're like, and now you got all these words that are in baseball. Launch angle that used to be an uppercut. Now we have a, a pretty word that says launch angle. Great, whatever you want to call it. Did he hit a home run or not? Starting pitching, yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, we're not going to see a 300-game winner anymore. I mean, that, that's gone because you don't have a chance to win that many games because, like you said, guys are 
four and dive. They're four and out, and that's part of the process because you got a guy coming in that's going to face three hitters that throw 100 miles an hour from the left side, and then you got a guy coming in the next inning that's going to throw 100 miles an hour from the right side. But that's where it's changed. It is the greatest cat and mouse game in all of sports is the pitcher versus the hitter. But you don't get a chance to make those adjustments like you did. And I don't know where that, you know, how that settles. If I was a starting pitcher, like I, I, Roy Halladay, the great Roy Halladay always said, you know, you want to give that bullpen five outs, six outs, four outs. You don't want to give the bullpen 12 to 15 outs. It's like that DB in the NFL. Like he usually was a receiver, but he can't catch or he would have been a receiver. He can cover you. But the reason why he's a defensive back is because he didn't have the hands. So the bullpen guys, they all used to be starters. But the reason why they're in the bullpen is because they can't start. So now you're giving these guys 15 outs to try to save a game for you to get a W. And, uh, you know, pitching the contact is gone. It's all about power. It's all about strikeouts. It's all about boom, 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 boom. But you got high pitch counts. Now you got 100 pitches in four and a half innings. Now it's hard to get to the seventh. See, personally, I would widen the strike zone. You're going to get more strikeouts that way. But I think guys will listen if it's if it's at the letters and it's down to the knees, then I think the focus starts to become put the ball in play versus put the ball over the wall. And all of a sudden, yes, there will be case. But now we have a lot more movement. Does that make sense at all? Well, yeah, I mean, you got Angel Hernandez who, who widened the strike zone the other day against the <laughs> Phillies and the Brewers. And we saw Kyle Schwarber defend the Brewer side and the Philly side. I don't know if the widen the strike zone is the big, the big problem. I, I just think the game, the where, where it's at right now, we have massive shifts. Uh, you know, Brian McCann's a great friend of mine. And, you know, the last few years of his career, said it was hard. It's hard to kind of sit here and look at six guys on the right side, right? Uh, and people are, oh, why don't they just go to the, you know, lay one down? Well, you and I go to a game, Mark. We don't want to see you know, Barry Bonds lay three bunts down. You go there to see him do what he does, and that's hit home runs. So it's a little easier than said, but we are in a weird time with shifts and high pitch counts and max effort and throw as hard as you can rather than the Greg Maddox of throwing 87 to 89 and hitting that Nats behind from 60 feet, six inches and hitting your spots. I know it drives John Smoltz crazy because the stuff plays – but guys don't know how to pitch at times. They just throw as hard as they can. Well, the Braves you're bringing up is an interesting one because uh, back then, 90s, Tom Glavin, he's six inches off the plate, yeah. and he's he's getting that call all day. Yeah. Catcher set up there. Well, that's Glavin. And, it, you know, and those guys took advantage of it, and now people are freaking out. Uh, and, and I look Angel Hernandez should not be umping in, in Major League Baseball. I think that's obvious, but I don't know. Like there's there's something to be said to like if you can hit this, then an umpire is allowed to determine his zone for the day and hitters have to adjust. And that's just, quote unquote, part of the game. I, I don't know if that's a, maybe they're missing a good thing there. I don't. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense because you know, I faced the Braves coming up with the Florida Marlins area in our division and I had to face Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and Smoltz being the power guy of those you know, the three-headed monster, but Glavin and Maddox had the most unbelievable, impeccable command. So when you're able to hit, like you said, three to five inches off the plate, if it's six, and you're able to hit that consistently, you're going to get more calls. And that's, I think, that that's where guys like John Smoltz, like, learn to repeat your windup. 
Kyle Hendricks, he's a lost art, right? He pitches for the Cubs. He's like the poor man's Greg Maddox. But right now, we're, we're, we're even in kids in colleges. Like, it's the radar gun. And how hard do you throw? Can you pitch? I'm looking at, can you pitch? Can you play the game of baseball? Yeah, this guy's got mo- most power in the world. But can you hit good pitching? Can you drive in a two-out RBI? Can you choke up with two strikes? Watching Miguel Cabrera, he still chokes up. He's one of the greatest hitters on the right-hand side that we've ever seen this game. So we're losing that sometimes. I think that the art of hitting 0-2-1-2 doesn't mean we swing like it's 2-0 and 3-1. And that's what we're seeing with these young hitters is that they don't care about striking out. I hated striking out. I felt like he got me. I wanted to put the ball in play, and I couldn't run a lick, Mark. Still can't (laughs) run a lick. But it was that cat-and-mouse game like, no, 2-2, sit and soft. Okay, he got me with a fastball in or – you know, but not swinging like it's a 2-0 fastball every single pitch. So on one side of the modern of what you're I, – I, I love it. Put the ball in play. No, nobody wants – you walk back to the dugout, you strike out. It feels terrible uh, in, in high school where I was, and or I'm sure it feels terrible in the majors with 40,000 people watching you. But uh, Shohei Otani, Kevin, mm. I've always – see, I've never quite understood it because the best player on the high school team – He's the pitcher and he hits bombs and he's incredible. But for some reason we can't do it on the big level and it's all specialized. And then here comes this guy like, Oh, actually somebody can do it. And now it's like, you know, he's, he might miss his next start and this and that. And, and maybe it's just better if he, he was an outfielder slash DH. Where, where, do you want to see him continue to do what he does? Could more people do it? How do you look at the whole Otani experiment? If you will. I love it. And I spoke to Joe, you know, Joe Madden in spring training. And I said, you know what I love about it is you allowed the reins to come off. I get so sick at the big league level. Like we have these reins. Oh, he only can go a certain amount of times or he only can do it a couple. No. How do you feel? You feel good? Go hit. He hit 40 plus home runs. He stole 20 plus bags. He, you know, he won 10 plus games. It's something that we haven't seen. We've heard about Babe Ruth, but I didn't get a chance to see Babe Ruth. We're getting a chance to see the greatest athlete that this game's ever seen because he does everything on the field better than everybody else. When he's on, he's throwing a hundred. He's got a split finger. He's got a breaking ball. He's unhittable like a Jacob deGrom on his good nights. And then he hits the ball like Mike Trout, you know? So this isn't fake good. There's some players that pitchers think that, oh yeah, if we gave Madison Baumgartner, you know, 400, 500 bats, he hit 20 plus home runs. I don't know if he would because there's an adjustment period to hitting. You're not just getting the old pitcher fastball, right? You're getting out to hit everything else. And that's what Otani's done. Remarkable, remarkable talent. Faster than you think, bigger than you think. And he does everything awesome. Let's wrap up with this. And Kevin, I really appreciate the extra time here. Working with Twisted Tea. Get yourself one. 5% alcohol. Tastes delicious. Get involved. Uh, Do we think, as we look at the early season standings, who's built to last here? I mean, are the the twins for real in your mind in the AL Central? Uh, Do you think the Mets are are, going to be there? Who of the, at least somewhat, New York's not as much of a surprise as Minnesota, but who of the early season success stories are you buying into? I mean, kind of the Angels. Their starting staff, first thing we would say would be like, oh, yeah, can they pitch, right? We know we want to see Otani. We want to see Mike Trout on the big stage. Rendon comes back, maybe has a full healthy year, but offensively, you know, they got Ward that's, that's been unbelievable. He just won player of the week, uh, Taylor Ward, I believe. And, it, you know, they have some guys and role players that need to step up and have big years. Then you can go ahead and have your Otanis and Trouts that mix in as stars. 
but their starting staff, Noah Syndergaard's done great over there. Michael Lorenz has done great over there. So you have some guys that might be better than we think. So can they maintain? Yeah, why not? Grab some confidence, keep playing, and see what happens. Uh, the, the, the Twins, Morocco Baldelli's done a great job. The White Sox have the injury bug. Elo Jimenez is out for 68 weeks. Lance Lynn hasn't thrown a pitch because of knee surgery. Johan Moncada hasn't been, you know, healthy. So go ahead and keep winning games until they get healthy because I still think the White Sox are going to be a, a team to mess with. And we have a long year. We have 130-plus games left, right? April, we don't win the, the World Series in. Braves were the World Series champions last year. We forget they got off to a really bad and slow start. And in August, I think we're below 500, and then boom. So that's what you're waiting for is these teams to get healthy and go. But I do like the Twins. Uh, but once again, their starting staff, can they hold it? Dylan Bundy's been unbelievable for them. Uh, and you got the Brewers that never, no one ever talks about, that three-headed monster, with Peralta and Burns and Woodruff, who got off to a slow start. But they can pitch, and Josh Hader hasn't given up an offensive, you know, I mean, an earned run. So can they hit enough to get to where they finally want to get to? They got beat last year by the Braves. So it'll be a fun time. Padres have played great without Tatis. And they're in the West, and we only want to talk about the Dodgers. And they're in second place. Giants won 107 games last year. We didn't think that was going to happen. They just keep winning games. So there's a lot of good things happening. The Mets and Showalter, obviously. It'll be a fun year. Just a memo to Major League Baseball as we say goodbye here, because I was at the Sox game on Sunday watching them play the Angels. You got Trout hitting second and Otani hitting third. Promote the living hell out of that. It's, you know, I, I go, admittedly, I go to baseball, sunshine, beer, hot dogs, see my team play. I don't care who they're playing. But when you walk in and like, oh, there's Mike Trout, modern day Mickey Mantle, wherever you want to put him, and there's Otani, Babe Ruth, you should be, those two should be on every billboard across the country right now, just selling the 100%, game. 100%, Mark. Hunt, appreciate what we have. The problem is West Coast, right? Yeah. You kind of don't see his third or fourth of bat because the riders are probably in bed by that time. It's 11 or 12 at night. The stories are in. Could you imagine them on the East Coast? It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't stop. And the, you're yeah. right. These enjoy what we have because you don't haven't seen this. I mean, Otani, you haven't seen this. Mike Trout is one of the greatest that this game's ever seen. I mean, I, I just, it's rare that I'll, you know, go to the bathroom, middle of the game, never think about who's coming up. Those guys didn't want to go. You better not. It's not the time. Hey, Kevin, That's great right. to see you, man. Really appreciate it. Awesome work as always. Uh, really enjoy your stuff everywhere, so thanks. Hey, Mark, appreciate you having me. Our pleasure. Well, Robert Murray, I think we've done it. It's the end of another phenomenal episode, if I do say so myself, of the Baseball Insiders. Where did you get so tan there? I mean, for real, how many hours a day were you in the sun? I was outside the sun all day for like five days in a row. Um, I'm absolutely glowing. I was at the gym this morning, um, went bright and early this morning, Carm. Um, and I was clearly the tanned guy out there. And I, I'm in Arizona where everybody's tanned. So um, boys are buzzing today. Also, the shirt color helps too, I think. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a good solid pink for you. Um, I appreciate you. Yeah. I like the color of your hoodie, by the way. That's Thank you. Thank good you. Looks. I, believe it's, I believe they call this beige. Uh, yeah, beige. I actually did not know that was a color. So yeah, there we go. Be- beige is a color. Um, hot dogs are not a sandwich. The Baseball Insiders is going live, uh, coming to a local podcast near you sooner than later. So we're looking forward to that. Hit that subscribe button. Turn your notifications on. Love baseball. Get to a game, even if it's raining like it is in Chicago today with the White Sox and Cubs getting ready to tee it up on the north side. Robert, 
You're my hero. Back at you, Carm. Just, just, just trying to be like you, my friend. You're our leader. Take us to the promised land. Out where we go. I don't know what that. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I, don't, I like a good. I like a good awkwardness. <laughs>